All right. Uh, Strikers is a middle grade sports graphic novel and possibly my favorite in a strong season. Uh, set in Flint, Michigan in the 1980s, it follows a youth hockey team with a losing record and a town in decline all around them. And uh, while readers get a whole lineup of memorable characters, it focuses on Evan, who's determined to turn his team around, even if he has some room for improvement himself, and Bobby, who would rather fight than win. Uh, there's a really excellent mix of humor and heart throughout the story. The author, Kyle Fegley, knows how to get laughs out of things like plaguey coaches who would rather be anywhere else. Uh, but there's a real depth to it as well. Um, with the setting, we get a kid's eye view of, of a fading American industrial town. Um, and, you know, the story just takes a genuine look at uh, the question of why to take the ice when you only see more losses ahead of you. There's also no shortage of sports action throughout. Uh, artist Jacques Corey, who's returning to the imprint after work on Mega Dogs of New Kansas, does a great job of showing hockey in motion um, and making the stakes of a youth hockey game feel like the biggest deal in the world. Following that, uh, The First Invasion is the first book in the new Power Button series. It's a graphic sci-fi romp that's also uh, the first foray in the middle grade from longtime cartoonist Zach Soto. It features some outer space superhero action that's perfect for readers starting to explore Star Wars or Guardians of the Galaxy or a great first step in that direction. At the start of the story, we meet Kaz, who's a young boy with a love of all things geeky and with Lieber congenital amaurosis, a disability that impairs his vision. His cousin Truly is coming to stay with him as her parents try to work out some things with their marriage, and together the cousins discover a family secret in the form of a hidden vault of strange treasures, including wristbands that become stuck to Kaz and Truly's wrists. Cut to outer space, where Maximal Skuldig, uh, a member of the world-conquering Ford Empire, has been uh, tasked by his bullying older brother to capture the planet Earth. So when Kaz and Truly take a trip into the city, we learn that the bands on the wrists are even attracting these alien conquerors, um, and uh, their town becomes the first target of the Horde's attack. Fortunately, we also learned that the cousins' wristbands summon an outer space knight named Trencyclo, who the kids can command to rescue their corner of the Pacific Northwest. Um, the first volume ends with Skuldig and the Horde defeated for now, and the cousins understanding each other a little better, but with the possibility of more adventures to come. Uh, and the whole story unfolds in a cool, limited palette style with enough action and humor to engage reluctant readers or kids who already embrace graphic novels. Next up are the first two volumes in the Robot Maker series, which will be publishing in translation from their Korean language editions. Uh, these graphic novels feature a fun, energetic approach to STEM learning, and the T and the E in particular, introducing readers to concepts that make robotics possible. Uh, and they combine that with the stakes of almost sport-like competitions and stories that depict the adventures of a competitive robot-making club. As the series begins, a soccer fanatic and transfer student goes looking for like-minded friends at his new school. Uh, but when he checks in on the school's soccer club, he finds a room full of kids controlling soccer playing robots. And soon he's stuck in the middle of a rivalry between the robot soccer club and its battle robot rivals. Each title in the Robot Makers series will highlight a particular area of robotics. And in addition to the book's lively artwork, each book uh, also includes nonfiction sections with supplementary scientific and historical information. Um, those include key concepts, famous figures, power sources, and more. Uh, it's something new for GU, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. 
of course, The Wolf in Underpants is back. Uh, this is a well-loved, well-performing series. In this one, the wolf comes back from vacation to see that nearly every critter in the forest is now wearing his signature striped undies. Uh, an identity crisis follows as the wolf starts to wonder who exactly he is if everyone else is sporting his same look. Uh, in a panic, he trades his briefs for Scarecrow's trousers and goes on a journey of self-discovery. Uh, so this is another fun one with the series signature mix of goofy humor and some fairly sophisticated themes. Uh, this time the authors are tackling conformity, identity, even branding, uh, as well as introducing readers to a sage-like sheep at the top of a mountain who might have the right advice to get the wolf's head back on straight. Um, or maybe the wolf will just return home again to find his underpants are already very last season. Uh, following that, uh, Kirk is called the first Timothy Dinoman book action-packed, save the world drama mixed with humor and heart. And in fall 23, the series returns with more of the same uh, in Timothy Dinoman and the attack of the dancing machines. In uh, the second volume of this middle grade adventure project, the Iguanodon secret agent Timothy discovers criminals have been using technology from the labs of worldwide tech celebrity Ellis Heron. Uh, and Timothy is excited to stop whoever is stealing from the famous inventor. Uh, and time is of the essence because Heron's about to throw a worldwide party to celebrate his success. Uh, but as the party draws nearer, Heron himself comes under suspicion, along with the robot dance squad he's programmed for the occasion, um, which means in the story's climax, readers get to see one iguanodon versus dozens of dancing machines in a delightful and uh, very elaborate battle that uh, really has to be seen to believe. After that, uh, Night and Dana is a standalone young adult graphic novel and the YA debut of acclaimed cartoonist Anya Davidson. Uh, Davidson's the author of books like Band for Life, which Bookform called a superb, rollicking comic, and her work has been published in places ranging from Mad Magazine to the Chicago Reader. She currently teaches at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago, um, although Knight and Dana transports readers to a Florida beach town. Uh, there, its main character, Dana Drucker, fights boredom by uh, filming pranks involving horror-inspired special effects. And after one prank lands Dana and her best friend Lily in trouble, the girls are required to find a more acceptable channel for their creativity if they want to graduate high school. Uh, so they join a community film class, uh, and as Dana and Lily uh, begin making a short film for their class project, they start to realize how they've uh, started to grow apart, leading Dana to wonder what her future holds. Uh, planning the film also leads Dana to meet Daphne Ocean, a local environmental activist, and self-proclaimed water witch, who starts to serve as a mentor to Dana. Um, but when work on the movie really collapses, uh, Dana's pushing uh, away old friends and new ones all of a sudden. Uh, it's not until she realizes uh, she can contribute to climate activism herself, um, using the same special effects skills uh, she's been using for many movies, that her future really starts to take shape. Um, so in some ways, uh, this is a YA story that feels very classic in depicting someone coming of age, but it has a really unique attitude and a very strong voice too. Um, there's a great sense of humor, great sense of place. Um, and it's another book in the new season that just doesn't look like anything else. Um, you know, we say in, in the uh, cover copy that it's a coming of age story for this era, uh, a graphic novel about making art and growing up when it feels like the world's on fire. Uh, and that really sums it up. Uh, the Bodyguard Unit is a work of graphic history uh, from author Clement Javier and artist Lisa Lugrin. Uh, 
uh, translated from the French by award-winning translator Edouard Gavin. It focuses on the suffragist movement in England of the early 20th century, in which women were demanding the right to vote and facing a violent pushback. The main subject here is Edith Garud, who was a self-defense instructor who became involved with uh, the suffragist, suffragist organization, the Women's Social and Political Union. Specifically, Garud began to train suffragists in the martial art of jiu-jitsu, so they were more prepared for the clashes of the era, um, even when encountering uh, much larger opponents. The book does a couple of cool things, including shining a light on an influential figure, uh, in, on uh, social and women's history, um, someone definitely not known to all U.S. readers. And it also resonates with our current moment when many readers may feel like voting rights are not something they can take for granted. Uh, it features fun scenes of people learning self-defense techniques as well. Uh, and the book is uh, colorful, maintains a sense of humor despite the gravity of the subject matter. Uh, on the whole, it's the kind of project uh, Learn does really well with. And then finally, for the library markets, we have a new twist on an old favorite uh, with these library-bound bind-ups we're calling Graphic Mythology. Each book collects two titles from the Graphic Myths series, arranging them by a theme for some graphic double features. Thank you for listening to The Learner Podcast. Tune in again next time for more author interviews and the stories behind the books.